This morning we continue our studies in Isaiah. We have now gotten to Isaiah chapter 44. Last week we covered the first eight eight verses where basically God was reminding them of of His commitment to them. Um, That Jacob was His servant and that Jacob is chosen. And we looked into the doctrine of unconditional election uh, which is the second point of the five points of Calvinism. That there was nothing good uh, in these Hebrews, nothing good in themselves, but God just in His sovereign grace and His sovereign mercy. And to get His will done, He chose them from all the peoples on the face of the earth. He set His love upon them, and He's using them to get His will done. So that brings us to verse 9 of Isaiah 44. And we will start over here on this side today with our pastor. If you will, as an introduction, uh, read for us Romans 1, verses 18 through 23. And then Michelle... If you would read for us Psalm 135, 15 through 18. And then I'll have Bud finally to read us our passage for today, which would be Isaiah 44. Uh, I'll just have you read verses 9 through... Well, 9 through 20, the rest of it. You have the endurance to read that much? Well, sure. You need a little bit of help. We can call in some relievers. I call timeout. Don't pick it up. Yeah. Take a timeout. Bring you some water and all that good stuff. All right. Now, basically, the theme for this is going to be the first point of Calvinism: total depravity. And we'll read a couple of introductions verses, and that will set up the scene for our main teaching this morning in Isaiah 44. Okay, Charles, if you read for us Romans 1, verses 18 through 23. And I'm reading from the ESV. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For His invisible attributes, namely His eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world, in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. Although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Such is the plight of man when he... Uh, turns away from God. And he falls into idolatry, as this says. And Michelle, if you will read for Psalm 135, 15 through 18. The idols of the nations are silver and gold, the work of men's hands. They have mouths, but they do not speak. Eyes they have, but they do not see. They have ears, but they do not hear. Nor is there any breath in their mouths. Those who make them are like them. So is everyone who trusts in them. 
So the psalmist there has basically given us the foolishness of idolatry. Okay, so we are going to look at the foolishness uh, beginning in uh, Isaiah 44 verse 9 and the, the heading, the sectional heading in the ESV says the folly of idolatry. So we're going to read about the folly or foolishness of idolatry. Okay, read that for us, bud. All who fashion idols are nothing, and the things they delight in do not profit. Their witnesses neither see nor know that they be put to shame. Who fashions a God or casts an idol that is profitable for nothing. Behold, all his companions shall be put to shame, and the craftsmen are only human. Let them all assemble. Let them stand forth. They shall be terrified. They shall be put to shame together. The ironsmith takes a cutting tool and works it over the coals. He fashions it with hammers and works it with a strong arm. He becomes hungry and his strength fails. He drinks no water and is faint. The carpenter stretches a line. He marks it out with a pencil. He shapes it with planes and marks it with a compass. He shapes it into the figure of a man with the beauty of a man to dwell in a house. He cuts down cedars or he chooses a cypress tree or an oak and lets it grow strong among the trees of the forest. He plants the cedar and the rain nourishes it. Then it becomes fuel for man. He takes a part of it and warms himself. He kindles a fire and bakes bread. Also he makes a god and worships it. He makes it an idol and falls down before it. Half of it burns in the fire. Over the half he eats meat. He roasts it and is satisfied. Also he warms himself and says, Ah, oh, I am warm. I have seen the fire. And the rest of it he makes into a god, his idol, and falls down to worship it. He prays to it and says, Deliver me, for you are my God. They know not, nor do they discern, for he has shut their eyes. So they cannot see in their hearts, so they cannot understand. No one considers, nor is there knowledge or discernment to say. Half of it is burned in the fire. I also break bread on its coal. I roasted meat and have eaten. And shall I make the rest of it an abomination? Shall I fall down before a block of wood? He feeds on ashes. A deluded heart has led him astray. And he cannot deliver himself or say, Is there not a lie in my right hand? Okay. That's good. 21, 9 through 20. Okay. Hmm. Alright, any notes there? It says, Now we go from the one true God, Yahweh, the covenant Lord of Israel, to the false gods. We will be looking at at, um, the false gods as compared to Yahweh. In these verses, Isaiah exposes the foolishness of idolatry. How foolish it is. Now, this same theme we've already looked at in chapter 40, verses 18 through 20, where... God says, to whom will you lack, lacken God? Or to what likeness can you compare to Him? 
an idol, a craftsman cast cast it, a goldsmith overlays it with gold, and etc. Sort of like what we just, like Bud just read to us. And we also come across that, we will come across it in our next chapter, which is chapter 45, verse 20, where God says, Assemble yourselves and come, draw near together, you survivors of the nations. They have no knowledge who carry about their wooden idols and keep on praying to a God that cannot save. And then in chapter 46, 1 through 7, we have pretty much the same theme as what Bud just read to us. So we have this over and over again when God is speaking to His people and He shows them the foolishness of idolatry. So, why does God continue to come back to this thing? The answer is according to Habertal and Margalit in their book on idolatry. They say this is the reason. Because idols are the problem. The central theological principle of the Bible is the rejection of idolatry. Man has always had the problem with idolatry and these two authors of the book on idolatry says this is the central theological principle of the whole Bible is a rejection of idolatry. That is according to them. You may agree, you may not. But according to them, it is a problem, no doubt. It is a problem. And John Wesley makes this statement, which I thought was very good, in his natural state, every man is born into the world. Every man born into the world is an idolater. That includes you and me. We are conceived in iniquity. And we create our own idols. If we don't bow down to wood and silver and gold, if we reject God, we are idolaters. And at times, we all have problems with that. I want to read Derek Thomas, what he has to say on this passage and this problem that we have. In his uh, commentary, Isaiah simply explained, God delivers. And he says of the Jews here, uh, before revival can come, Judah must forsake her idols. A lengthy section on idolatry follows, which is what we just read, a theme which will be repeated again in succeeding chapters, such as 46. Assyria had many idols, included Asher, the Assyrian national god, and the name of Assyrian's capital city. Then Sin, an idol called Sin, the moon god. Ishtar, the goddess of lust. Women gave themselves to temple prostitution as a kind of vocation. Nanurta, the god of the storm. Nebo, the god of trade and commerce. Assyria brought idolatry into parts of Judah on the grand scale and forced Isaiah from the very start uh, to speak about it. 
Babylon too had its gods. Introducing Bel, B-E-L, sometimes called Marduk, patron of Babylon, and Nebo, son of Marduk, the god of learning and writing. In addition, native Canaanites had worshipped Baal, a form of idolatry that was still prevalent in Israel during Elijah's time. Uh, so that was from Elijah up to now. Uh, well, uh, from then up to Elijah's time. Alright, so we see that all the surrounding nations had problems with idolatry, and of course Israel did too. It seeped into Israel. Alright, any questions or comments so far? If not, let's turn back to our introductory reading in Romans chapter 1 that Charles had read for us. And I want to give a few insights on that. All right. Verse 21. Although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him. But they came came futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Alright, Paul lays out here man's sin. He states that all men know God, although they knew God. That's verse 21. Although they knew God. That's where I'm starting at, verse 21. They did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him, but they became futile in their thinking. Alright, all men have knowledge of God. All men knows that He exists, but not all men have saving knowledge of God. Only Christians have saving knowledge of God. Um, other people know about Him, but they do not know Him savingly. <coughs> and um, they know Him because of natural revelation. They know Him because of the environment around us, because of the the work of the law written on their heart. They have this inward testimony that God does exist and He will appear before God in judgment one day. But instead of worshiping Him like they should, they hate Him. And they suppress this knowledge to the best of their ability. Uh, In their unrighteousness, they suppress the truth. They know God, but they hate Him. They want to be independent and autonomous, and so they suppress the truth. And you'll see why I'm going through this. It's going to lead up to something. Um, because man in his sin hates God, he is a not, he's not about to honor God or glorify Him or give God thanks. He is not about to do that. Alright, the last part of verse 21 uh, shows the consequence of man's sin, the consequences of man's sin. They become futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts are darkened. Since men neglect to honor or thank God, they lose their ability to think right. Man's thinking becomes ungodly. We call that the noetic effects of sin. He doesn't know how to think anymore. He leads God out of his thinking. He doesn't think right. 
The mind no longer works the way that God designed it to work. And because man rejects the proper use of his faculties, man's mind becomes twisted and his conduct perverted. He loves darkness rather than the light. His foolish heart is darkened. And then in verse 22, we read, Claiming to be wise, they became fools. And here we go. And exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. That's what they worship. So this is the result of autonomous reason. <clears throat> autonomous reason is reason without starting from God's revelation. Man can no longer be wise. Man neglects God's revelation and therefore suffers the effects that this sin has upon the mind. He becomes perverted. He becomes a moral and intellectual fool. And if you want to some... Well, the proof of it is God's God's word. But if you want a um, confirming confirmation of that proof, read the autonomous philosophers that we've had through the ages, beginning with Thales all the way up to the fools we have now. You read them, you see what fools they have become. Now, man is religious by nature. He will worship something. If he doesn't worship the Creator, he will worship the creature of the creation. So, if he refuses to worship the living and true God, he has nothing left to worship but something in the creation. In his twisted thinking, he turns to images of animals including those creeping things that we hire Terminex and Orkin to extinguish. <laughs> they worship those things. And we see that in Ezekiel. So, in man's twisted life, now, this is the bottom line of it. In man's twisted life, if he's not a Christian, uh, being religious is not Men seeking God. That's not the unbeliever's religious acts. Rather, it is running away from God. True religion, apart from Jesus Christ, is running away from God in any way you can. And so God confirms them in their sin. If a non-Christian says he is religious, it's what he's really saying, bottom line, according to the Scriptures is that he is running away from the true and living God. And then in verse 18, we see that God God hardens these wicked people who fall into idolatry. They don't understand anything or right. They don't see the world as God sees it. They therefore have no true knowledge And God is warning His people not to become idolaters. This will happen to you. The two blanks in uh, 
I don't think we've got to do that. Um, we've only gotten to the part where it says Isaiah exposes the foolishness of idolatry. Oh, alright. The first one is the covenant Lord of Israel. We're comparing that to the false gods. I don't know if you got that. And then in these verses, Isaiah exposes the foolishness of idolatry. And that's as far as we've gotten in the notes. So in verse 18, there's also that hard fact of reprobation. He has smeared, New American Standard says, he has smeared over their eyes so that they cannot see their hearts, so that they cannot comprehend. Yeah. You reject God's natural revelation and those kind of things happen. I want to read from Psalm, excuse me, from our larger catechism, question and answer 108. Let me double check. I think it's 108. Find this in my notes. Pound into my notes, but I'm going by memory. 108. What are the duties required in the second commandment? Everybody remember what the second commandment is? You shall not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or on the earth beneath. Do not make images. And the duties required in the second commandment are the receiving, observing, and keeping pure and entire all such religious worship and ordinances as God hath instituted in His Word, particularly prayer and thanksgiving in the name of Christ, the reading, preaching, and hearing of the Word, the administration and receiving of the sacraments, church, government, and discipline, the ministry and maintaining thereof, religious fasting, swearing in the name of God, and vowing unto Him, as also the disapproving, detesting, opposing all false worship, and according to each one's place and calling, removing it and all monuments of idolatry. According to our larger catechism, keeping this second commandment is removing false worship and all monuments of idolatry, which we certainly do not do in this country. Okay, any questions, comments up to now? Okay, back to your notes. Through verse 17, and in verses 19 through 20, Isaiah describes a craftsman making an idol and what eventually becomes of it and of the idolaters. These verses certainly show that people who worship idols have lost their ability to think correctly. Lost their ability to think correctly. So falling into idolatry does have its consequences. And we've just read some of those in Romans chapter 1.
in their folly, they should be ashamed. Of course, according to verses 9 through 11. In verse 11, Behold, the companions shall be put to shame, and the craftsmen are only human. They should be put to shame. And also, they work very hard for something that does not profit. We saw that in verses 12 through 14, how he, he skips meals. He skips sleep. He doesn't even drink water. He works very hard making his idol. Health threatening hard to make his idol. And they actually use the gods they make to lead a more comfortable life. They use their idols for firewood, <clears throat> furniture, stuff like that. And like Mike pointed out, what was that verse you read? They know not, or do they discern? For he has shut their eyes and they cannot see and their hearts so that they cannot understand. Eventually, idolaters cannot see the truth. Well, they can't see it now. They don't understand anything aright. They haven't the ability to see things the way they're supposed to. God hardens them in their sin. They don't give thanks to God. They don't honor Him. They start worshiping the creation instead of the creature. I mean, instead of the Creator. And God brings these judgments upon them. We watched a debate last night. It was with pastors Jeff Durbin and um, James White against two atheists. And what you're saying is exactly what we saw displayed. There was one atheist, he was a doctor or something. And he just ended up making himself look like a complete clown. He stood up, was showing no manners, and telling James White, why don't you call down fire from heaven right now? And was out of control. He just looked foolish. You notice that when they do things like that, they're just showing they don't like the Christian God. They're not giving any proof against the Christian God. They're just showing they don't like Him. Yeah. Yeah, that was good. I was... Were you watching that live on TV? Or? No, it was just on YouTube or something. Okay. Those two that wiped the floor with them, right? Just yes. Kick oh, one yeah. day out. Durbin especially. Yeah, yeah, it was really... They didn't know what to do with him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, when you're arguing or discussing uh, the Christian God to an unbeliever, he, no matter if he's a professional philosopher, he is not, this is what Van Til says, he is not what he thinks he is. He's what God says he is. He's a fool. And we need to realize that. He's not what he thinks he is. He's a fool. That's what God says. We have a tremendous amount of people in this country that are overeducated. That's the only way that I can put it. They, they know everything, but they still don't know the true God. I mean, they deny Him. Same thing if you had, you know, if you worship in idols. But it's, it seems it's, it's kind of puzzling sometimes. Look, this guy's smart. Why don't he realize what's going on? Yeah. Educated for this. Do you can even see the, the humor 
uh, in this, you know. How stupid is this, you know. He makes, makes his own idol with part of the wood, and he heats up his supper with the other part. And it's, just, yeah. it's just kind of funny to me. God does have a sense of humor. Okay, back to your notes. Make sure I haven't skipped anything here. Yeah, I got it. All right, verse 18 of our passage shows that God hardens these wicked people who fall into idolatry. They don't understand anything aright. They don't see the world as God sees it. They therefore have no true knowledge. God here is warning His people not to become idolaters. Alright, thus ends that section. Anybody have any other insights into it? Bill? Yeah. Uh, to my way of thinking, at least it would be helpful to qualify some of this by saying that um, obviously people who reject God, who reject the authority of Holy Scripture are not stupid in the sense that they, know they can get in a car and drive to work. Um, many of these people are very clever. They can invent things. They can do things. So on a ground level, they're not stupid. Uh, the problem is, is it's sort of like, uh, I'm trying to think of a, an example. It's sort of like if somebody invented a stick of dynamite and they keep trying to keep it from blowing up in their face, but they haven't quite figured out it's a fuse being set off to cause it. Um, throughout history, we, we see on the, uh, the field of history systems of thought of culture being created by people who reject divine revelation, and sooner or later it blows up in their face and destroys them and a lot of other people. So I think that in the long run, it's, it's the, the long range problem, short range, I mean, there are people who reject God who are very clever, just maybe butts it, you know, they're over, quote, overeducated, but their education doesn't tend to give them the full orb picture of what reality is all about. And, and I think that uh, uh, Dr. Bonson was good at doing this, uh, pressing them to show there's no justification for the knowledge they do have. They do have knowledge, but they can't justify it. Uh, until they're pressed on that, sometimes they don't, uh, they don't quite realize it. Um, so anyway, I, I think that is a helpful way to put it in some perspective. I mean, even somebody like Greg Bonson studied philosophy and appreciated the writings of Plato and Aristotle. But the thing is, what is missing from those clever writings is the ultimate foundation. They don't have it. And sooner or later, it leads to futility, just like Scripture said. We just had a couple of verses say, without the foundation of God, knowledge does not hold wisdom. Right. It's the application of that knowledge in God's umbrella that sets Christians apart. <clears throat> I think that gets to what Bud is talking about. We have a lot of people with knowledge, but they have no wisdom. And also, Bill, obviously these passages are dealing with carved wood, form statues, and, and things like that, but we've all heard many sermons where we can have intangible idols. Uh, power, where we set aside God's law to gain power. Um, 
and I'm just wondering how that fits in with what we're doing, what we're studying here now. Is this just focusing on that one type uh, because of where the Israelites are and what they're seeing all the time or what they're doing? Uh, is there a line between an idol that's intangible and an idol that's tangible? Yeah, the way I see this is these principles hold up on any kind of idolatry. Uh, we don't, hopefully none of us have an image at home we bow down to and worship, but anything that replaces God would be an idol. Um, when you uh, were um, reading from Derek Thomas, there are all the different gods that they, uh, that they have for different purposes. It just made me think, I, how every four or eight years we're appointing these, these gods in our nation, we're, we've got the gods of agriculture, the gods of commerce, the gods of defense, the gods of education. And I think that's the way, maybe not knowingly, but a lot of, a great majority of our people look, kind of look at it, and that becomes even idols. Yeah. Okay, good discussion. Um, I was going to get started in this next section, but we've got just about time to read it, and that's about it. Uh, we'll spend a few minutes on this at the beginning of our next session, and then get well into chapter 45 next time. Any other insights? Good discussion. Chase, will you close with some prayer, please? Gracious Heavenly Father, 